Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. It's another exciting episode of Audacity with Pierce. And before we go on, I'd like to take a moment to say a big thank you to my father and the faith, Pastor Shomal Kodua, the apostle over this house, for this awesome opportunity to speak to you this morning. I mean, like the name of the uh, program says, it's Audacity with PS. So this really is this platform, but um, he's been gracious enough to share this platform with me this morning. And I'm so grateful and I feel so honored um, for that. And thank you, thank you, sir. Um, so we'll just dive right into it. Um, the topic we're looking at today it's called your business and the law. Your business and the law. Um, I know that is something that you probably did not see coming, you know, on this program. Uh, but it's very important that we look at these dimensions of um, our endeavors as as individuals, as um, people that are on a quest to change the world, to dominate. Like one of our previous um, speakers had spoken on, you know, from Jane, if you remember, to domination. And my focus really. Um, this morning is I want to help you to understand how you can use the instrumentality of the law right to increase the value of your business right I'm speaking specifically this morning to small business owners what you call um, um, MSMEs right micro small and medium sized um, businesses also be speaking um, to another category of people um, that we call the creatives right um, here and there I'm going to drop a few nuggets for career professionals, but the focus really will be on business owners and then the creatives. And essentially what we're looking at is how you can use the law to increase the value of your business, right? Um, that might seem um, interesting to you at the moment, but when I get into it, you know, you, you'd understand it. Right, so the first thing I would say, right, by way of introduction is that there is a fundamental principle that business is run on and it's called the principle of multiplication. I mean, you are in business to make money, right? However you want to slice the apple, that is the ultimate um, objective of being in business. And one thing that business um, helps you to do is that it helps you to multiply resources on a geometric scale, right? As opposed to, you know, just adding numbers, you can multiply and you should multiply, right? The challenge for many um, businesses, specifically small businesses, is that they don't understand how to grow from that mom and pop, right, to a business that is actually um, making a difference in its space, right, that empowers the person who is the business owner and um, that equally makes a difference in the lives of uh, the significant portion of the populace, right? And I believe that this is a mandate that God has given to us, you know, as believers, right, to dominate in our different spheres. So it is my desire that that small business that you're doing right now will grow and will multiply and become, you know, um, a, a major player, right, in this space. I'll tell you a few reasons why you should not remain small, right, why you should deliberately fight um, that urge, right, that tendency to remain small as a business owner. So let's take, for instance, let's say that um, you run a sole proprietorship, which means you are the owner of your business. You are the only one employed in the business. I mean, you're self-employed, really. Right. And um, you, for instance, let's say you are a fashion designer. Right. Um, you have to agree with me that there's a limit to how much work you can take on as an individual. 
right? So at some point, um, you would have to hire people. And I'll begin to speak right now to um, structure, right? How you can structure your business, right? Um, pardon me, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, a business consultant, but by virtue of my interaction with um, businesses as a lawyer, right, I've come to see some critical issues, right, that are very important to business growth and development. And that's why I'm going to be, really, I'm going to be wearing two hats this morning, right? One is that of a lawyer, and I'm going to speak strictly to the provisions of the law. And then the other is somewhat like, you know, a business consultant, right? And I'm just going to um, share um, from there. Right. And so back to what I was saying about structure, right? Why do you need to organize your business? Why do you need to structure your business, right? I'll tell you this um, fundamental truth. Um, it is the fact that for you to multiply resources, you must be able to inject what I call life, right? Into the assets that you have in your hands, right? Let's go back to the example of our fashion designer, right? And let's see how this fashion designer can inject life into that which um, they are doing, right? And now they can generate surplus value, right? From that. Um, so again, you're one person, you're doing the sewing, you're doing the, you know, um, the customer, um, um, the, the marketing yourself, um, customer service yourself, you know, everything just revolves around you, right? First off, you need to understand that you are human, right? So your strength is limited. There's a limit to the number of um, jobs that you can take on, right? Um, so this is why you will need to hire, you know, other people, right? To help you with the business, right? And this would also lead me into what I call documentation, right? But I'll come to that in a bit. Let me focus first on structure. Right. I've realized that one of the reasons why a lot of small businesses don't grow, right, is that they are not able to set up a structure that would um, engender growth, you know, that would lead to growth, right? So first off, you limit your, um, the revenue that you're able to generate from that business because you're just one person and you can only do what one person can do, right? However um, strong, however um, strong-willed you are, right, your strength is limited you know, by the fact that you're just um, one person, right? So the first thing you want to do is you want to hire other people, you know, to help with the business, right? But you also want to formalize that process, right? So when you're hiring, um, it is important that you have a contract, right? Um, have a contract, have an employment contract that details, you know, the terms and conditions of um, that employment, right? Um, secondly, I think perhaps I should even um, backtrack a bit and speak to the registration of your business, right? Um, so in Nigeria, for instance, you can either run your business um, as a private limited liability company, you know, or a public um, company, and, but let's start with um, private companies, right? It doesn't cost anything for you to actually register your company. You can do that in give or take one week, right? On things being equal, you know, this is Nigeria, but on things being equal, but I mean, I'm speaking to a global audience, so. In, in some other countries, it might even be um, less. I, I know that in some countries, you can even register a company within a few minutes, right? Um, if you have all the required document, right? So that's the first and that's the starting point. You register your business, right? I know the one major drawback for some people is the fact that, well, if I formalize my business, you know, then I get into the formal sector, then I have to pay taxes and all of those things. And first, the law allows you to um, register a small company, which means that the formalities you know, around your business operations are not as 
um, much as when you have a big company, right? Um, by the definition, by definition, um, a small company is a company that has, um, I think, an annual turnover of um, not more than 120 million naira in, in Nigeria, um, and then um, asset of not your asset is not valued at above 60 million naira, right? And that is what the law regards. Um, as a small company and you have all these advantages here and there. So one of the challenges that I find with um, a lot of small businesses, um, particularly with respect to um, the issue of registration or formalization, um, if you like, is the fact that um, businesses are not able to generate capital, right? You're not able to generate capital um, either by way of equity investment, right? Or, um, you know, credits, right? And I mean, it's simple why that is right so if i want to invest in your company for instance you have a small business but it is not registered right as a company if it were registered as a company right you can give me equity in your business right which means i can give you surplus um i can give you additional capital right in exchange for the equity that you're giving to me and it doesn't have to be anything um you know huge you know and that's i know that's the fear for some people is that ownership you want to hold on to 100 percent of your business right but think about it would you rather own 100 percent of a business that is worth a hundred million or hold say 55 percent you know of a business that is worth one billion right so that root potential of your business is capped because you're not you have not registered your business you have not put the kind of structure you know that would attract the kind of investment that you desire to scale the business the same thing goes for um credit right you want to take a loan you want to i mean the fact that you've registered your business project a certain level of permanence, right? And that's what you want to do in business. You want to project a level of permanence. As a sole proprietorship, right? There is no, yeah, well, you can say as long as you are you're around, right? There is permanence, right? But if you're taken out of the equation and we don't have permanence anymore, right? And banks don't, do not want to deal with, you know, such um, entities, right? They want to deal with an entity where if the person, the face of the entity today is no longer there, right the business is still a going concern right and they can always get their money back the same thing um, applies to investors right you want to be able to to do that so that um you can attract the required um, investment that would help you to scale your business so another reason why you should um you know put structure in place where your business is concerned right is the fact that people generally um when i say people now i mean your potential client right um have more confidence in a business that is properly structured, right? If you are the secretary and you are um, the one making the clothes, remember we're using the example of the fashion designer, right? And you are the one um, receiving customers at the reception. You are the one delivering the clothes to the... Um, people understand that that kind of business, like I said before, um, may not be around for, for so long, right? So they don't have their certain kind of contracts that they're not going to give to you right first because you simply don't have the capacity um to deliver on that kind of contract right imagine you have to make clothes for um you know a thousand people and of course there are contracts like that right and you you don't have first you don't have the capacity to do that and secondly nobody will even trust you you know with that kind of, of of project right and remember that what we're trying to do is help you increase the value you know of your business right so it's important that um, you put some structure um, in place there. Then, of course, we can also talk about, you know, the business of leaving you, right? Because the business is not just for you. You want a business, you want to have a business that um, can 
provide surplus value to the extent where you are able to help other people around you, family, friends. You're able to also impact your community, right? And there's also the psychological reward, you know, for a business owner when your business grows um, beyond just being mom, mom and pop, you know, there's that recognition that you get and it increases your influence generally, you know, in society and you're able to better um, impact society that way, right? So I said all of this to say, look, fight that smallness, right? And one of the ways to do that is to set a proper structure in place, right? So that your business has wings and it can fly, you know, financially and otherwise, right? And the second thing I'm going to speak to um, is documentation, right? I cannot emphasize this enough, right? You think you're a small business and so you do everything verbally, right? Or informally, right? It's important that you document it, right? What documentation does, right, is that it leaves a trail, right? There's a, there's a history, you know, that you can always go back to in the event, you know, of any issue, right? Um, one of the places where I see small businesses default, you know, when it comes to documentation is contracting, right? And if you look at it really, what you call business to a lawyer is essentially a series of contracts, right? You enter into a contract with your suppliers, you enter into contract um, with your customers, you enter into contract with your staff, right? And so that's what business is about, right? And what's a contract is promise, you know, promise um, made, promise kept, right? And then, you know, some value exchange hand, you know, in between, right? That, that's the name and definition you know, of that. And you must be able to document whatever business arrangement that you are getting into, right? I mean, there are people that are unscrupulous, right? And they want to take advantage of your business. Remember that this business is going to be a big business, right? This business is going to be a multi-million dollar business, right? So you have to set the tone right from the very beginning. So you have scrupulous people, unscrupulous people rather, you know, that get into business with you um, and they want to cheat you, right? It's easier for them to do that if you don't have things documented, right? And when you want to do this, let me just, um, you know, um, chip this in. You consult a lawyer, you know, get a lawyer to do it for you, right? So don't, don't be a chipstick, right? You get a lawyer to do these things for you. It doesn't cost much, I hope so, right? But, you know, it is what um, the cost, if it does cost much, right? It is what the cost. So invest in this, right? Do a proper contract so that you have a, a point of reference, right? So if anything happens, somebody defaults on that contract, you can always go back, you know, to sue them or look for other amicable ways, you know, of resolving whatever issues you might have with them emanating from the contract. But that gives you a frame of reference. If you don't have that in place, then you have nothing to fall back on. Is your word against yours. And you know how, how that can pan out, right? It's another area where I think you should um, also document, right, is when you have correspondence with your staff, right, with your staff, with your clients, with investors, wherever it is that you are dealing with in the course of your business. It is important that you establish some, I mean, most big organizations would have emails and they do that. But I understand that for small organizations, right, this may not really um, be, you know, realistic for you at the moment, right? But you can start small and grow big, right? So start with a letterhead, right? Do a proper letterhead. You know, don't just print something out of your computer, you know, something that you design by yourself, right? Just do a proper letterhead. It shows seriousness, right? It shows that you are in it for the long haul, right? And business people, people that your clients want to see that, like I said before, you know, potential investors, um, other people that you may want to collaborate, other stakeholders 
in your business, they want to see that. They want to see that they are dealing with a serious-minded person, right? And you know, the thing about um, projection is that the way you present yourself is the way people treat you, right? So if you want to be taken seriously in business, right, you must project seriousness, right? And so that's another area I think you should get a proper um, establish after establishing correspondence when you do anything you have a meeting with a client generate a memo and send um same to the clients you know to capture what you've discussed um another thing is there's a humane part of of business um interaction or communication you know that i like to emphasize here, especially for um small businesses and i mean this applies to whether you're small or you're big really it doesn't matter and this is the fact that when something happens when your your client is celebrating something right they've just been appointed as something they've just been remember the relationships matter a lot relationships will bring for you what money cannot buy right and so you must be deliberate about communicating if they are bereaved if they suffer loss you know write a letter of condolence you know if um they enjoy a blessing you know write a congratulatory note write something and show that you always write there's something we say in law right that if it is not written then it never happened Right. If it is not written, it never happened. Back to the issue of contract. You know, there are even people who are not even trying to cheat you. You know, there are good people there, but issues come up. And I know that, I mean, you will say, um, you know, maybe God forbid because you're a believer. Right. But hey, it's business. Right. Things happen that are unforeseen. Right. And what the contract does is that it protects you in the event of such, you know, um, occurrences. Right. You didn't anticipate this. You didn't. For instance, I give you a very good example. COVID happened, you know, in 2020. Nobody saw that coming, right? And if you are in business with somebody and that happened, um, as a matter of fact, um, it wasn't even a, what we call in law, a first major event, you know, in most contracts, right? Essentially, um, a first major event is something um, that the occurrence of which basically entitles you to either suspend for a while, you know, the performance of that contract or to, um, terminate the contract, you know, um, altogether, right? And so COVID happened. I mean, even if you were a good person in that kind of situation, right? You had planned to honor the terms of the contract. You didn't have control over such externality. So even if you're a good person and, and your intention was to honor the terms of that contract, there was nothing you could have done, you know, about the occurrence of COVID. And so you'd have been in a position where you're, you're I mean, you're left helpless, right? Now imagine that you didn't have a contract in that kind of, um, I mean, scenario right there's no telling what can happen you might lose money you might i mean there's a lot that could possibly come out of that right so this is why it is very important you know that you document um you know don't don't download let me let me just speak to don't don't download templates on the internet you know i just fill it with with what you think is is required right consult a lawyer right and so for business owners of course there are many other things um that the law allows you to do right as a business but i think this is where i want to you know um focus on today the fact that first formalization or registration of your business putting a structure you know around your business helps you to increase the value right of your business both in terms of your capacity to attract you know um revenue and also in terms of your um contracting your investor confidence um customer confidence all the things that I'd spoken about earlier and then the second part which is documentation that it helps you to avoid legal exposures right it helps you to avoid legal exposure so that is um where we'll leave it for now for business owners and then quickly i'm going to speak 
um, to creatives. I understand that, you know, these people occupy um, a major um, portion of the population, especially in our generation, right? A lot of people doing stuff on the internet, you know, using the, their minds, you know, to create amazing things, um, both in entertainment and every other field, right? And I think that it is very important, you know, for you to understand what protection the law offers you, you know, as a creative person, right? So that you are able to exploit your own benefit, right? The fruit of your mental labors, right? Um, so that somebody else is not just exploiting what you had labored for, right? And so I'm going to speak specifically to IP right. Um, but let me quickly backtrack a bit. Um, when it comes to um, um, IP right, this wasn't just applied to um, creatives, it applies to everybody, right? So let's go back to, I'll give you a, a, an interesting um, analogy, right? Um, let's say that you have two businesses, right? Both of them fashion outfits. Um, let's call the first one Taylor Lucio. I like to see what that is, right? I'm sure some of you are already guessing, right? And then let's call the second one Obiomade, right? Um, that just means Obioma made it, right? Uh, but you get the point. And so let's, these two entities, right? One is registered, like we had talked about earlier, you know, has all the structure in place, and then also has its IP rights, right? Fully protected. Right, before I go into that, let me explain what IP rights are. Essentially, IP rights are um, the exclusive rights that the law confers on the creator of either an artistic work or a literary work, you know, or a musical work or um, um, an inventive work, right? So the law confers some protection. The law ensures that you have exclusive um, ownership of that particular work and you are also able to exploit it to your own benefit to the exclusion of others of course saving um instances where the law allows you know some some form of um um not really expectation use right um without recourse to you but that's not our focus um today right and so if you have your ip right protected let me give you an example so let's say that um taylor lucio for instance has um the, tr the trademark registered right so that is protected right um other business processes so when i say trademark um the trademark is essentially it could, it could either be a service mark which means the name you know of of um the that very name taylor lasso or the logo right if you check most clothes you'll find you know some kind of logo um we call it device in law right that is attached to it and essentially the protection of that which comes by registration right you can register your trademark you know, in Nigeria and in other countries, right? Okay, so for example, let's say that um, somebody's about to invest in the company, right? Whether it is equity they want to acquire, in other words, they want to own a particular percentage of the company, right? Um, or uh, they won't even buy the company altogether, right? You hear it's one of the fastest ways to, you know, make a killing business. You know, you create a company from the scratch and then you send it off, you know, for good money. Right. Um, one of the things that would happen, one a major distinguishing factor between Taylor Lassoo and Obiomed in this instance will be the registration of their IP rights. Right. IP rights are intangible rights, right? But they actually have quantifiable value monetary taps, right? Which means that when you're buying a company, one of the things you consider is the intellectual property rights that are in the possession or in the ownership of uh, or that are owned rather by that company. Right, so these things are valued, right, and then they are sold as part of um, the, the company. So it means that it 
increases the value significantly, right, of that company. And I'll, I'll tell you how this works um, for creatives. I'll give you um, a very good example. Um, there is this popular um, television game show that we all know. It's called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, right? Um, and this is a television game show that airs in about, um, last I checked, in about 160 countries, you know, of the world. Imagine that. Right now, this television game show was actually um, the brainchild of three gentlemen, right? David Briggs, Mike Whitehill, and Stephen Knight, right? And they started this in 1998, right? And I mean, this was their brainchild, right? And I can tell you for a fact that they ensure that intellectual property, you know, in that game show, right, is protected. Now, think about it. You can get an idea, even here in Nigeria, for a television game show. Right, it is not it is not that um, out of this world, right? Anybody can come up with a television game show, pardon me, right? But if you don't protect your rights in that television game show, right, then you may not be able to do what these three gentlemen did, right, in um, 2008, right, when um, Sony Pictures acquired the rights to um, the game show. Um, let me let me shock you right now. As in 2008, when Sony Pictures acquired this ride, they had to pay 137.5 million pounds, right, to get this ride from the company that held it. Of course, um, the company created a franchise. A young man um, by the name of Paul Smith, you know, got the idea to create a franchise out of this um, television game show. And that's why today we have our own variant in Nigeria and many other countries, India and the, and the rest of the world, they equally have this. How did he do that? The power of franchising. So one of the benefits of, um, you know, protecting your intellectual property right is the fact that you are able to extract value, right, um, from that business, even whilst operating the business. I'll explain what I mean by that, right? So for instance, remember the example of um, wants to be a millionaire that I shared earlier, right? So it could be anything. It could be, um, um, for instance, let's say um, an eatery, right? And you know some of these franchises are available here in Nigeria, right? Um, and you get that idea. The idea of franchising is that you give somebody, right, a franchisee access to your business model, your trademark, you know, and other getup of your business. And they are able to replicate that wherever they are, right? So typically you have a defined territory where that operates, right? So it could be a country, it could be, you know, a state, it could be, it depends on the, um, the, the terms of the franchise, right? So you can have a business model that works. Right? And you don't have to replicate it by yourself in several other places, right? You can license that business model and the trademark and the goodwill that you have in that business really um, to someone else. And they can take that and begin, you know, to use that. You get, typically you get what, what you call a startup fee, right? That comes to you initially. And then there's also the licensing, typically an annual licensing fee that you get every year, right? So you're making money from your established business model and trademark without even lifting a finger except of course the finger that you're lifting you know to sign the contract right and so this is very important um and you know it goes back to the uh issue of protecting your ip right so you don't take these things for granted you may be small today but remember you don't plan to remain small the rest of your business life right or the rest of your creative life so take it is important that you take this important the steps you know, to protect your business and so the point here is that um the protection of intellectual property significantly increases, right, the value of your business, right? So the trademark, um, if it's, um, you know, um, uh, an audio work, um, you talk about things like copyrights or if it's a literary work, 
right? You talk about things like copyright. So it is important. Of course, these rights are automatic, right? Right. So the moment you create the wall, right, it starts to enjoy um, um, IP protection, right? If it's if it's copyright, if it's um, let's say for instance um, a song, right, or it could even be um, audio visuals, right? I mean, this is the internet age. People create content and then they put it up um, on social media platforms and YouTube channels and, and whatever you, right? And you can generate um, money from that, right? And the law is even uh, better now, that's Nigerian law, where it actually allows you to protect your rights, you know, um, your copyrights in respect of this um, works. Uh, for instance, where somebody has, um, without your permission, uploaded um, your work on a particular platform and then the, the, it's getting a lot of traction, right? You can write to um, the, the, the um, platform owner, right? And tell them to take it down, right? And so this is some of the protection that it offers you. This is in addition to the exclusive right, you know, to exploit that work and also to be recognized as the creator of that work. The same goes for, you know, patents. Um, I mean, this is, this is a scientific invention really, right? And industrial designs that are created you know, um, by creative people that we have. So it's important. Um, another factor that I would like to, or another um, element, you know, of IP protection that I'd like to touch on, um, particularly for creative, is the use of NDAs, non-disclosure agreement. You know, sometimes you are getting into a project, right? And you've not finalized, um, you know, the terms of the project yet. Maybe the person is just checking out um, what you have to offer. And you just go there and you share your ideas, you know, um, everything you know ho-ha like we say right and without any form of um contractual arrangement to protect whatever information you are giving in that context remember you don't have like a proper contract just yet right the person hasn't agreed um to get into um that project with you they are only checking out what you have to offer right but you must protect this we've seen cases of this before you know where people divulge um, a friend of mine was even talking to me about um, an instance where she had gone for an interview right and um in the course of the interview of course they had asked her to do some work and she did right um they didn't get back to me eventually or maybe they did with um you know um a letter of regret like like we call it right um but a few weeks down the line she started seeing posters you know from that organizations that actually used the ideas right i mean they had used the ideas on some of these posters and all of that and i mean of course that's a bit dicey because that interview right is difficult um, to, to really protect what you offer, right, at that level. But generally speaking, when you get into um, a project with people, sign an NDA, right, so that they're not able to use your ideas in the events that they don't get into the project with you. Um, I'll quickly backtrack a bit. Um, there's one, something I should have mentioned earlier, and this is with respect to um, documentation. Another aspect of documentation that I need to emphasize right is financials right especially for small businesses there are a lot of opportunities out there you know government grants um there are financials um government-owned financials for instance like bank of industry in nigeria right that you know give soft loans uh, lots of loans loans to you know um businesses small businesses are targeted so small and medium-sized businesses are typically targeted you know by these institutions right but one fundamental requirement um that they typically would ask for right, is um, your financials, right? So, and that is why, you know, I spoke to documentation earlier, right, to document these things, right? I mean, simple profit and loss account, you should have to present, you know, when such opportunities come, right? And also there are grants, you know, that are given to small businesses, 
right, that can help you to grow your business. It's additional source of capital for you. So this grant essentially um, aimed at helping small businesses to you know, scale, right? But if you don't have your financials in place, you don't have your books intact, right? Then, you know, you're not able to take advantage of some of these opportunities. Another one I should quickly mention, even real property, right? You know, I talked about intellectual property earlier, right? Even real property. So you have, for instance, a land, and this applies to individuals as they do, as it does to, to businesses, right? You cannot unlock the um, capital, right? The, the monetary value in that asset, right? That physical asset, if it's not properly registered. So you have a land, right? But you've not perfected your title to that land, right? In other words, your land is not registered. The government doesn't know that you are the owner, you know, of this property. You can use that land, for instance, as a collateral in the bank to get money to expand your business, right? So it's important that you do this with both real properties and intellectual property. So, but let me, let me um, emphasize that point again, that it is very, very important that you have your books in all that. I've seen this, especially young people, you, there's a capital glut, right? There is money that is looking for outlets. People are looking for places to invest their money to generate surplus value, right? But if you don't put your house in order, if your business is not um, properly documented, you know, like I've been saying, you know, throughout because of this um, presentation, right? Then you're not able to take advantage of these opportunities. So let me, let's quickly do a recap of what we've learned today. The first thing is in order for you to multiply the resources available to you in your business, you have to create a structure, a proper structure around your business, which of course starts with registering your business. Um, also, I talked about documentation, contracting, right, at every level. And um, lastly, I believe I spoke to how you can tap into the power of intellectual property, right, to increase the value of your business. Right. What I hope and what I um, um, desire, you know, where your business is concerned is that it grows from that small entity that is doing, you know, a couple um, thousands um, of narrow dollars as the case may be into a multi-million dollar business. Right. And this can happen. However, um, however small you are today, you know, this can happen for you. But there are certain processes that you have to put in place for this to happen. Of course, there are many more things to discuss, you know, on this, but I think we'll leave it here for now, right? Um, so quickly, let's take our creed as we bring this to a close. Can you raise your hand? As sure as God helps me, I will not give up. I will not cave in. I will not quit. I will not fear. I will not fail. I will not die until my job is done and victory is won. I am the new and I love this church. I want to wish you a beautiful week ahead. Have a productive, have a great week ahead. Goodbye for now. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much He wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in His presence.